Welcome to the world of stand-up. We're live. What's up, Robbie? What's up, Bryce? It's been a minute. We've been uh, trying to get you in here. I know, man. Super busy. You were super busy. You were flying all over the place, and now all of a sudden you got some time, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Appreciate we, you. We were, before we started rolling, we were just talking about how uh, what's up with white girls needing dreads, because they don't. They and don't. we talked about how Boulder sucks. Boulder, Colorado yep. is a place you don't want to visit. Sucks. Yeah. Thanks for coming to the podcast, <laughs> guys. This has been really fun. This is my friend Robbie. From- <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you a shout out, dude. You're the guy that did this. I know, right? Yeah. I had to... I had to look at his naked ass. For I was going to ask minute. you, how homoerotic was that for you? When you were like lacquering <laughs> over my <laughs> sculptured abs while I'm just cupping, cupping my clearly very cold unit in that point. Very because, small cold unit? Well, it's cold because it's, you know, I'm a grower, not a shower. Okay, got you. So there's that. <laughs> How's it going, man? It's good, man. Yeah. It, was a, it was a cool piece to do. De- definitely different because I'm used to like the canvas painting stuff, you know. Yeah. So it was it was cool to do something a little unique, you know. Well, dude, we got another one coming. You're gonna do another yep. one for this uh, back wall. Three times the size. Yeah. Four times. Like, it's gonna be sideways and take the whole thing and yeah, yeah. Little spaceship thing going on there. Little uh, spaceship vibes. Intergalactic planetary, as they say. Whole another uh, universe you'll be in. Yeah. Bro, did you? Yes, bro, I'm telling you. <sighs> Do you, so do you get high when you paint? Uh, sometimes, yeah, for yeah. sure. How do you it, not do that? Dude, it's it's actually quite nice. Like, especially this, like, I had to, dude. I had to look at your high while you were... I was like, bro, it's like, this is weird, man. Yeah. No, they it's... say imagine people naked when you're doing the hard things in your life. I was like, life. this guy's actually naked. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the final piece, I did everything, and I was like, dude, where the hell is this piece going to go? You put that on last? Yeah. Because okay. I was like... I was like, dude, I had to blow it up. I was like, I had to get this bigger. <laughs> I made every other piece pretty small. You had to get this bigger. That's a very uh Well, like on the pod, I want I wanted everybody to see it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And plus it was it was the last picture that you sent me. You sent me all of them. I was like, okay. Yeah, it was like a joke. All too. the shows and everything. And then I was like, oh shit. Well now knowing after I was like, was this supposed I to go to his wife? Sent you more pictures, like come to think of it. Like that, the naked ones? No. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> but those aren't Fit for TV, as they say. I love right. this like thing with the cigars and cigars, the lacquer yeah. and stuff. That's dope. But so anyway, how do you say your last name? Pharrell, Farrell, Foot, Farrell, Farrell, Will, Will Farrell, Will, Robbie, Will. Is your name William? No. Oh, so Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. Two so, last names. So Robinson Farrell. Yeah. That's kind of dope, actually. Yeah. People get confused. Are you sure though? you're not an R&B singer from the '60s? I could be. Coming to the stage, Robinson Farrell in the <laughs> Farrell Five. I don't know if that, would, if that would flow the hair, you know? Of course it would, dude. Would it? Yeah. Okay. That's a, clearly a black guy's name. In Boulder, right? Yeah. No, 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 no. Not, no, not no. in Boulder. Like, no, Robinson Farrell. <laughs> dude, that's a total black guy's name. You know that, right? Is it? That sounds like a black guy's name. I guess. It could be. Yeah. Are you black at all? Do you have any, like, little bit in you? Mm-mm. Okay. You have a unique sort of look. What's your... Uh... So there's, like, it's, like, I don't know. There's, like, a tiny bit of English, Italian in the, the heritage, but... Okay. Mainly so you're just, just a like, white guy. Just like a mutt. Yeah. It's got all the... <laughs> it's got a mix of everything. A European mutt. Yeah. A little German, a little Italian, a little, yeah. little uh, Portuguese in there, you know? Dude, it's funny because I, I did door-to-door sales for a long time, and every time, like, it was a new conversation. Like, what's your ethnicity? Like, you look like so-and-so. You look like this. You look Arabic. And I was like, oh, yo, chill. You know, you look 
Hispanic. Is there a problem being Arabic? You gotta, are you saying, no, I was are you just saying this claim about that? No, I was just saying it's, it's all like, <laughs> it's, it's all different, you know? Yeah. Every, every conversation would be something new. So I'd be like, all right, man. Take Dude, it all. <laughs> I got I to gotta tell you this story because just, you just reminded me of this. I kind of hope that you did this when you were doing door-to-door sales, but I don't know if you did. So a couple months ago, my wife and I were in Las Vegas, <laughs> and we were walking through the fashion show mall, which if you know anything about the Strip, it's the mall that's right across the street from the wind, okay? Cool. That big one that has like the spaceship disc on it and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a great mall. <clears throat> and we were walking by, and they have all these kiosks in the middle that they're selling shit, right? Right, and this guy, heavy, heavy Arab accent. Hey, come here, I need to show you. Like he's, <laughs> he's like, you guys, are perfect for this. And he's like showing. He's like, you need a protector for yours. Yeah, like he's, yeah. and we're talking like full Arab, dude. Like, and yeah. I can't do a very good Arab accent, but like I was, just the whole time, he's doing the whole that. time. Oh boy, and I'm like, this fucking guy, dude. Like I was like, I was yeah. not into it because like, you know those kiosk salespeople, like they get aggro. Oh yeah, they, they're almost they like the town, people in Vegas that are handing out the porn. You know what I mean? Yeah, Where they're yeah, like, yeah. "Hey, you want some porn?" Like, yeah, yeah. on the Hit strip. the strip. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this guy, oh, come on, you whatever. Yeah. And Amy buys into it. We're like, get the Jama juice, and the thing is right there, right? And Amy's like, I'm like, what the fuck? No, 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 no. She goes to do this, right? Yeah. So I get our Jama juices that we had ordered, and I head over there, and I'm like, I'm kind of annoyed, and I go, "So what are you trying to sell, man?" And he had a Brooklyn accent. He's like, I don't know, man. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. You don't sound. He's like, yeah, I just do that to get you over here. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. And I'm like, bro, that's awesome. He's like, oh, I know, man. It's great. Like, people just think, they look at me and they're like, are you Jafar from Aladdin? Because that's what the guy kind of looked like. <laughs> Did you say that a lot of people buy into it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah dude. Awesome. He's like, it works perfectly because it, he's like, I don't know if it's like some sort of like white guilt thing. Yeah. But like, people don't like saying no to Arabs. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> And, and we, I'm like, you saucy motherfucker, dude. You were just, he's like, hey, sell, I got to sell. Total I'm, like, opposite. I'm like, bro, I'm Pretty buying nice whatever one. you're selling me right now, dude. I bought like That's 200 awesome. bucks worth of stuff from him. Yeah, <laughs> we we definitely would do that. We would do like competitions, it's like stuff like that, like different accents. In sales, it's like, why not? We just had fun with it sometimes. But yeah, I could definitely say I've done it. Well, here's the funny thing. We yeah. saw him again Yeah, like when we went back to Vegas a couple months after that. And I'm like, my brother. And he's like, hey. And like, you remember? He, knew, he remembered me, dude. And like, I gave him a hug. And I'm like, you still out here hustling, bro? He's like, yeah, man, every day. That's sweet, man. That's dope. I love it. So uh, you usually, you recently had a change. Like, you're full, independent, like, mm-hmm. artist now. Yeah. yeah. So I was working with a specific CEO for a while, just doing specific work. It's really cool, super fun. A lot of growth in it. And uh, I was kind of dabbling with art, film photography, kind of a mix of everything with it. Yeah. But I just, I kind of saw, like, the growth with my personal stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to go all independent and just kind of do the stuff that I want to do more than, like, you know, monotonous having to do certain things. So, yeah. It's well, it's always different that. when you're your own boss, you know? Like, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Like, you're my second artist I've had on the show. I had uh, our friend Scott Travis yeah. on here. Shout out to Scott. Scott's the man, dude. Go. Like, he, uh, I love the example that he's setting for guys like you that are young yeah. artists because, like, he basically breaks it down and says, like, it's a business, and if you approach it like this, you can actually, like, make a living and a good right. living. Yeah, well, he he was the one that pushed me because I, I kind of put art on the back burner for a bit. And then I met Scott, like, this last year, and he actually commissioned me to do a piece for him. He's like, dude, he's like, if you love it, man, like, go do it. And, like, he, he didn't have to do that. Like, you know, he's an artist himself. Yeah. He could have created his own pieces. But he he pushed me to to start doing that again. So I did a piece for him, and then 
I started, you know, reaching out to people and got different gigs, you know, Ryan Flint, yourself, other people. Yeah. So it was cool. And I was just like, okay, there's, there's some cool uh, potential here. So just going, man. Yeah. So when did you first realize that that was something that you had a, a talent for? Um, so I, I grew up like my dad drew a little bit, so he's a dentist, but he, I think that's kind of where I got a little bit of the creativity. Um, he dabbled it, but I've, I've always just been a fan of art. Like since like middle school, I would, I would take like all the extra classes. I did all the sports. I did everything else, but I was always like super passionate and I would always just create stuff like all the time. And then it led into, you know, high school. And it's funny because, you know, I'm six, four and Everybody's like, oh, you play basketball and that? And I'm like, no, nah, man, I like to I like to draw pictures and paint. So I just kind of got into it more and more. And it's just been a passion like my whole life. But then I got into other business ventures and kind of put it in the back burner for a while. And then I realized like, okay, I really like fuck with this. I don't want to, you know, bring it back into my life. So I've always just growing up, it was always some business thing. Like middle school, for example, I'd take like, pieces of paper and I used to like street tags so like graffiti mm-hmm. it's kind of where like the you know different crazy vibes and colors come in with my art and uh I would sell them to you because I, I lived in Alpine I was like oh these Alpine rich, Utah yeah all okay. these rich uh Alpine kids you know their parents got the money so I would it would take me 20 minutes I'd sketch out your name make it cool like graffiti colors and then I'd like pitch it to you in middle school get like 60 bucks out of it <laughs> like yo man like let me do your name. Dude, that's better yeah, than some dime bags to those yeah, kids, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was sweet. So I like I, I hustled with that and then just throughout middle school, high school, I just kept doing it, man. So it was fun. That's sweet, dude. Yeah. So then so you're in your mid twenties, right? Twenty five. Yeah. Twenty five. Okay. So that's quite a bridge though, from like sixteen, seventeen to now. Yeah. So take me through those years. Like what because yeah. I know that you have a, a really I've, – I've seen your work as a videographer and as an editor. Yeah. It's awesome. Like, Appreciate it's really – like, I can tell that you're a creative guy with how you vision that. But that's a different skill set than, right. like, sitting in front of a campus and going, like, yeah. how do I, you know, create this this thing in my mind and then put it on the, on the you know, the palette here, the, right. the canvas. How did you merge those two things? Yeah, so high school came around, um, playing sports. I was kind of just doing all of it. And I was taking uh, college art classes. And I was like, I want to, you know, continue this. And so my goal was to try to get a scholarship with it, which most people that are doing sports and my hire are, like, trying to get some athletic scholarship. But I was like, right. no, nah, man, let's do some art, you know? And so I, I pushed myself more. And there's I, I got a scholarship down at, like, Snow College in Ephraim. And for when art? I, for art, yeah. Oh, nice. So I ended up going down there. It's like the last school that like hit me up. I like reached out to all the schools in Utah. I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. Middle of nowhere, man. Freaking, you got sheep crossing the roads. You know, you got one street light. There's one gas station that's open 24-7. Like nothing down there. So I was like, bro, what is this? It's like my high school. Tractor racing. Yeah, tractor racing. <laughs> <laughs> Had nothing down there. It's funny. Cowboy hats. Cow- I'm like, all right, that's not my vibe, but let's do it. So I went down there and then... I took like a basic film photography class just for fun, just as another credit. And then I kind of saw that I liked it. I've always loved like music videos and movies and, you know, TV shows and just the creative process behind that. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a, a director, his name's Cole Bennett. He does a lot of like the hip hop artists and he's, he's my age and he directs for like, you know, big artists like Lil Yachty. He's done stuff for, you know, Drake and just big music artists. And so 
I started seeing that creative side of me come out and that's kind of how it merged from taking a class from school that I didn't like expect that I would do more of it. And then from that, I ended up doing four years in sales. So it was always this back and forth game. I'd go sell for the summer and then that money and that saving up, I would do the creatives during the winter. And then art ended up being pushed on the back burner until, you know, this last year. And I was like, wanting to get back into it. So it's kind of the, the whole wrap on the last few years of my life. That's dope, dude. So do you plan on incorporating your skills with video into the promotion of your art? Yeah. So that's a big thing. I'm building out uh, my garage right now for uh, like an art studio. And I want to set up like lighting and cameras and now utilize my skill set that I've been able to learn a ton about in the last few years to create now these cool videos of like the steps of my art, you know, talking about it, you know, what it takes to do it, the, just the process of it. Dude, that's the, that's one of the things that I, I think a lot of creatives overlook when it comes to the power that social media has to help promote their work is that people are less interested in the final product if they don't know the story of the person who created it. Right. So we're, we have a very voyeuristic society that we're in right now. People want to look behind the scenes and see under the dress and right, you know, right. want to know all the little <clears throat> different nooks and crannies of what's going on to that. And I've seen, I've watched Scott succeed with this. I'm watching you do it where you create somewhat of like a docu-style rendering of the creative process that lets people see the before and after that really you know, ups the value of right. what you're creating. Yeah, I think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And pe- people want that. It's like anything else. Like, you know, I'm, I'm big on watching like documentaries and I just watched the, the Steve Jobs uh, movie that they created uh, last night. It's, it's the just, one with Ashton Kutcher in it, that mm-hmm. one? Okay. And it's, it's just cool to see that because people see just, like you said, that they see the end result, but it's, it's cool to see those baby steps of like the time it takes, the effort it takes, the right. thinking process, the the constant failures and over and over and over again to create something like that. Well, you're creating a charismatic character, as they say in literature. Yeah. It's like I, I've incorporated that style into how I've been doing my own content relative to right. comedy. You know, here in Utah, we have a great comedy scene, but if I'm really hustling, I can't get on stage more than, you know, sheesh, three or four times a week maybe, and that's suboptimal conditions, you know. Right. Wise guys comedy downtown Mm -hmm. has two open mics a week and those open mics are great if uh you just so happen to be able to get on weekend shows you get you know real sets in front of real comedy crowds and that really does help you flesh out your material and learn how to write and perform better right but it's it's not ideal it's not like you're in la and you can do three a night type thing you know and so i've had to kind of tell the story behind the scenes and let myself and who i am and how i show up be the draw if you will Mm -hmm. or that's the intention and the goal and then have the comedy be the thing that i do that like keeps you coming back because it's fun and funny and i think that it's for the longest time i was i'd struggled with how to incorporate like my more success-based sort of vibe when i'm like this is how you do it this is the things i've learned these are things that are important to me if you do this you'll get a better result you know i'm i'm clearly somebody that cares about fitness i care about you know making money i care Mm -hmm. about good relationships and you know making sure we're doing purpose-filled activities, that doesn't sound very funny, though. So to be able to, like, share that aspect with the juxtaposition of, like, my jokes and my stand-up and Mm -hmm. and them seeing that I love being a silly goose, I think that's allowed me to create things more quick 
when it comes to a fan base and kind right. of how, you know, the draw that I have because I can sell tickets and whatnot. And I love watching that happen with other creatives because comedy is a creative pursuit. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's performative. You know, you do an art or film. Um, you know, our, our mutual friend, Conan, our executive producer over here, he does the same thing. It's like you get into this place where you can, as you tell your story about your content as your content as well, you can't lose. Right. Yeah. You've, you've like, you've had the camera, you've been behind the camera for a lot of like really influential like people and a lot of things. Like what has been some of the takeaways you've learned in that storytelling process? Um, I'd say the biggest thing that, cause I was talking to my boy Vinny about this the other night and I'd say the biggest takeaways um, from just like this last year with all these people is um, just figuring it out. Cause there's a lot of things in life that just shit happens and it's just the name of the game. And I think it's realizing that, that you have control over that, that you can, if something's not working or you, you're unsure about it, it's the two routes, okay? You're going to sit there and bitch and cry about it, or you're going to, like, get up and actually make stuff happen. So I feel like, for me, the biggest thing is just always constantly growing and figuring it out, right? Because in your head, you could be like, I have no idea, man. Like, how do I do that? Or what's this turnout going to be like? And the other people on the other end, like, they won't know it, but it's you going and figuring that out and just growing constantly and then just, just working hard to get the job done regardless. So I think those are the two things that it's just throughout my life. It's always just pushed me like no matter what, there's always something that, that you can do and you can make it happen. Okay. So what, in your opinion, then what makes a good piece of content right now? I think storytelling, like we've been talking about where there's, a purposeful reason behind it, right? So I, I, I just got back from Arizona. I went to a, a speaking event for this lady. She sold her company for a billion dollars, cosmetic company. And she was able to teach what she's learned in her business, right? But she walked through this whole process of, you know, different emotions of the crowd of like the excitement at one point. And then she's going through and she's, she's doing this teaching lessons and people are writing stuff down and it's emotional, and so you really can feel the, the energy switch, right? So I feel like for me, when it comes to creating content, it's where people can have like that feeling and they can be relatable to you, right? There's all the, the creatives of like, you know, the hype videos and that type, of, ty that type of vibe. But I feel like for me, I love creating the, that storytelling where it's actually relatable to both of us. So is there some sort of like magic potion with that? Like, how do you do that? I think it's understanding your audience, like who you're, who you're shooting and filming for, right? Right. Who, like understanding, getting on their level, getting to know them um, or the event or whatever you're doing. And so it's going in with preparation. You know, like it's the same with like this piece, right? Knowing who you are and what you like and what your vibe is, you know? I wasn't just going to go up and paint something random. Like we talked about it. We discussed it. Okay. Yeah. You do comedy. That's your vibe. You like cigars, that's your vibe. You know, this is the name of yeah. your your podcast. So it's it's creating the story for you that makes sense. Me and uh me and Conan, we filmed a, a hype video yesterday that I can't yeah. I can't wait for it to come out. Because I, <laughs> I make fun of hype videos in this hype video. Oh, is that what you're doing? Yeah, dude. <laughs> I love it. I think I've, I think I've, I've I've it might be out by the time we release this episode. Okay. It's uh, I'm gonna I already just, the caption's gonna be a day in the life. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's Love awesome. It. Love it. Cause I, 
that's been the blessing and the curse of like so like there's so much good content out there right now. Yeah. To where it's really hard to differentiate yourself. Like if you just go and copy the jump cut sort of slow mo whatever mm-hmm. of every influencer out there, yeah. it's all going to look the same. Yeah. So you got to get creative outside of that and you know cameras are amazing nowadays mm-hmm. like when you have you know the adobe suites logic pro and final cut like the software is easy to learn like right. you really have to have a different eye creatively to be able to make stuff that's compelling and me as a comedian i'm like this this shit's getting boring dude like i'll <laughs> see legit people like i'll see people that i know in real life that have zero cool in them they are not cool at all yeah. Yeah. And they'll do like these like hype videos, like yeah. there's some baller, and I just laugh at them. <laughs> I'm like, bro, dude, yeah, I yeah. can see you have lint all over your shirt, bro. Like, try harder, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's 4K, you can yeah. just little lint roller, oh, just, just it, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I had to, I had to use me, you know, me and Con and figure it out. We have, a, we have a good one coming, I'm stoked about it. It's a little, little comedy, little, little, comedy little, little, of the and, dude. And I'm, I make fun of myself, is the whole yeah. point, like, I. I have those scenes in this video where I'm like, bro, fucking slow mode. <laughs> and I've got some cool shit. So I'm like, I involve all that in it. And yeah, then yeah. at the end, it's. Dude, that's right. I'm going to bury the lead. It ends with me farting. I'll put it that really? way. <laughs> <laughs> so, so random. Yeah, dude. It's awesome. So I love it. But at the same time, like, it might get no views, man. <laughs> People might be like, they might not get to the end. Because the right? first part of it, like, I've seen this one a hundred times. Swipe. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's getting out of his car in slow motion. <laughs> like but people, surprisingly, they eat that up. Like, a lot of people do it. That's it's, something I've noticed, dude. Like, we... People love it. <laughs> we live in a very, like, voyeuristic society. Like, when you look around... Like, I, I do this all the time. Like, I look at who's getting engagement and why. And not just, like well, I need to do this dance to cuff it or whatever. Right, like, right. like the people that have grown massive followings and I'm, I, I look and like, how did they do this? Like, what was it that was the, you know, the, the, the missing piece, if you will. And it seems like a majority of the ones that are, that grew organically, meaning they didn't go viral for something or right. like they got famous for something or whatever. And then that caused it. But like, they actually like slow rolled it and grew it. It's because they show everything. They show the good and the bad. They show their philosophy on life. They show their results. They show their take. They give, you know, hot takes on things. They ask questions. They engage. Like, there's this whole sort of process that is really kind of predictable when you get to it. And it makes it, makes it like I've looked into this, it makes it so that if you gauge the engagement and reaction of who's, you know, with your content, you can mm-hmm. kind of read their mind. Right. It's kind of, it's really interesting. Yeah. People want to be entertained uh, more than anything. Yeah. What do you think? Like my, I mean, you know this guy. My good friend Sean Whalen talks about that. Like, mm-hmm. if you entertain people, game over. Like, they will love yeah. you. People are bored. They just yeah, it, <laughs> dance for me, jester. Like, they just want to <laughs> be entertained. Yeah. And if you're like, okay, well, let's do a little, let's do a ten second dance or yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think I get in my head too much about that. And then sometimes I don't, and I just let it go, and I do something stupid that doesn't engage at all with anybody, and it's just a learning process. But, I th- and that's like with anything, man. Like you just got to do it regardless. You do, huh? I feel like people they focus so much on like the hype and the virals, and yeah, whatever. You can try to follow that the best you can, but at the end of the day, man, like people want to know about you and like your story and 
what you fuck with and like how you are personally, you know, you don't always have to copy the norm and like, I got to do this trend or I got to do like this. I got a question for you. Yeah. I've always wondered about this because I think I'm right on this, but I don't really have any data to back it up. Okay. I think people, I think more people follow other people for reasons that they don't like than for reasons they do like. Like, they're like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> Fuck this guy. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. this guy. Oh, look at this. And then they're sharing the stuff with their other buddy that hates the they're guy shitting too. On it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. I think there's something to that, dude. And I think that it, like the epicenter of that's Twitter. Yeah. Dude, that's all that you do on Twitter is just talk mess the whole time. I don't even have Twitter. You should now. Should I? Elon's made it better. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's I, different now. Like he brought the sink in. We're good. Oh, dude. He did bring the sink in. <laughs> he uh Dude, he fact-checked Biden twice so far. Oh, damn. So President Biden, on his verified presidential account, made some, like, sort of claim. And then he's and then Twitter's like, mm, can't do that. Actually. Actually. <laughs> that was and pretty it's good. it's glorious, dude. It's yeah. so glorious because before all that, anything that was on that side of the spectrum, Twitter would just be like, yeah, yeah, sounds about right. And then if, like, somebody that was on the other side of the political spectrum would say something, like, they were so annoyingly critical to make sure it was exactly nuanced and contextually right. accurate and, like, uh, well, you see. Uh. Yeah. And now it's, like, they're both sides are getting that, and it's just fantastic. Like, I, I legitimately think I got an erection when I saw Biden get, <laughs> get fact-checked. Yes. I'm like, oh, my God, it's happening. Twice now. Dude, they said it would happen. It's happening. <laughs> oh, my gosh, this is so great. What's next? That's awesome. Yeah, it so looks fun. like... I'll download Twitter today. Yeah. Just follow me. D. Bryce Prescott. It's a fun one. I'm trying to figure out how to use that platform because, like, you know, we talk about creative stuff. And basically all the – kind of bring this, you know, back into the conversation. Part of everything that you do and that I do and that, you know, things that – whether it be video or painting or podcast or comedy or whatever, we want to showcase it somewhere. Yeah. And social media seems to be the easiest place to do that. So understanding these platforms and how to make them work for you is key. Right. And uh, I had written off Twitter a long time ago because it was, it was so blatantly obvious that, like, if you even have a twinge of conservative in your viewpoint, they're just like, they turn down your yeah, engagement, yeah. they don't care, like, they shadow ban, all that. And then you get to go, like, I was laughing at this. It's like, I go through my feed, and this, is, this has changed somewhat a little bit recently, but, and I would see these people in my feed that I don't follow that mm-hmm. I give two shits about what they say. As a matter of fact, I don't want to see what they say because they're right. so annoying. <laughs> Dude, there's this yeah. one chick on there that, like, had this whole thread about trans animals. <laughs> like, how to know if your puppy is, a trans, is trans. And I'm like, this bitch needs a life, dude. Like, for real. Yeah. She's tweeting all day long. And, like, her ideas are, like, so dumb. She, she had this game after Elon <laughs> took it over. And, again... I don't know if this is a parody account because it very well could be, but yeah. it doesn't look like it's a parody. That's how you know how tweaked <laughs> this chick is. Yeah. That you could do because, like, you might have heard of there's a there's a there's a, an account on Twitter called Tatiana McGrath, mm-hmm. and uh, it's this guy, this English dude. He's full troll, but he does it like in a way that's like super like PC and like yeah, inclusive yeah. and everything. And it's he's fully trolling, but he convinces people that it's real. This other one, I don't know if it's that thing because. Trans dogs, really? Like, we're going to have a conversation <laughs> about trans dogs? Like, that's a thing now? And then she had another thing. Like, I'm so distraught over Elon buying Twitter that I, ne- I need a distraction. So in my subtweets, give me a fruit, and I'll tell you why it's racist. 
And like oh people were doing gosh. it. She's like, Apple. Well, apples are from the thing. And like doing this whole thing about what apples are racist and a product of white supremacy because of where they came Jeez, from. And, the th- and I'm like, wow. Okay. The world. That's when you anyway, know people are going. My point is, yeah. it's like I see all these tweets and I'm like, I don't follow yeah. you. I don't want to see. What the hell? You're still seeing it, yeah. And it's like, so, oh, they're trying to make everybody see this stuff to make it seem like that's the norm. Yep. You know, I started writing these. Uh, there's certain topics that I, you know, as a comedian, I'm kind of scared to. Talk to bring about. up and talk about, and like the whole transgender thing is one. Yeah, because like I'm not a I'm not a dick. Like I I recognize that if there's a if there was, <laughs> can you imagine how bad that would suck to have that be something you you'd struggle with? That like you yeah. legitimately feel on the inside that it do, your body doesn't represent your actual like that would be so painful, right? Yeah, and I as an empathetic person can understand that if, if that that's a human experience that I don't share with you and that I want to be compassionate for you, okay? But two things. If you're telling me that my seven-year-old knows that they're trans, I'm going to give them the big middle finger because right. that's bullshit. Right. And then secondly, if, <laughs> like, it, it, the steps past that where it's like when there's, because, you know, there's like, you know, 80 genders or whatever, and some of these genders are like. That was like 100. Who knows? Could be, <laughs> dude. Could be, they, dude. They, they, they have ones for like dragons and like pixie fairies and like wow. I, I identify as a pixie fairy and so these are my pixie I just fairy painted pronouns. A dragon, so I gotta figure out what the gender is. And well, you need to if you're gonna be inclusive, bro, because you don't <laughs> want your ca- painting getting canceled. But the whole point is that like when you get into that realm, it's like, bro, that's some bullshit right there, dude. Yeah. You're not gonna tell me that science can back up psychologically that yeah. you're a dragon. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Oh, you're an elf now. <laughs> cool. Elf. What are you tomorrow? So that's the part as a comedian. Yeah. Like I wrote a joke about this because, and and this is a true story. Like my my daughter, she uh, you know they don't live with me. They live in Oregon, and uh, she's a self uh, described pansexual, which I didn't know what that meant until mm-hmm. she told me because pansexual doesn't give you any clues as a word, you know. And uh, she went to prom with this person that was an elf. Oh wow. This is real. It's a true story. And I'm like, elf, huh? So I wrote this whole joke about it. And I was like worried about performing it on stage because I'm like, I didn't want to come across as like a dick or bigot or whatever. But then I was like, I had this come to Jesus point. I'm like, that's up for grabs, bro. <laughs> I'm not making fun of transgender stuff. Like that's an actual yeah. thing that people deal with. But like right. if you're if, if you're going to identify as an elf or a pixie fairy or some dog or some shit, like, sorry, dude, <laughs> you're, you're in my target sites. Like I'm going after going after those elves. Yeah, you need a, you need therapy, bro. Like, <laughs> And by bro, I mean that inclusively to mean all the genders. So you're going to you're going to perform it. I already have. I did it. I, oh, I, I did the set when I opened for Brian Callen a couple months ago. Oh, you did. It did well. It did fun. it. Yeah. So it's in it's in the bag of like to throw out. Yeah, dude, I'm going to it. it this will have released the day of, but I'm I'm going to be in L.A. next week doing a cannabis. I'm doing a feature set, which is 25 nice. minutes at a cannabis show. Dude, I get to do comedy for a bunch of stoners. Man. Oh, bro, that's yeah. that's a, that's the best combo right there, man. Yeah, dude, they laugh easy already, yeah, man. Yeah, laugh easy. The only problem is they don't pay attention that too well. No. <laughs> hey guys, guys. Hey, what? What? Yeah, that's gonna be. Fun, I, I guess it depends what they're they're. Strand they're smoking, right? Yeah. But you you're uh you're heading to FitCon, <laughs> right? Like you're doing some uh some yeah. work, some freelance indo independent work. So you still yeah. do that. So you obviously get paid for your art yep. and you get paid a lot, and I know that because I paid you, and I'm like, Jesus, okay. Um <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um well it, it 
It worked. It, yeah. You got it. Now you're getting another well, one. Well, no, it was the blowy <laughs> that sealed the deal. Dude. So thank you for that. Like, mouth to mouth. Anyway, so. <laughs> a mouth to mouth. Yeah. Um, anyway, no, I, mean, I didn't mean to bring that up. That's, that's supposed note. to stay between us. Anyway, yeah. um, you still do like videography stuff. So you're going to yeah. film a bunch of hot chicks down at FitCon. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's fun, man, because ever since I've kind of walked away from being a specific creator for somebody, it's opened the doors a ton, man. Yeah. So a lot of cool gigs. The month is already getting really busy. So it, it's fun to kind of do what you want when you want. So be versatile. And what would you say your biggest challenge is in that world of being an independent, like, filmmaker slash content creator? Um, I would say just not getting complacent and, like, lazy with yourself. Okay, but that's a challenge that you would face regardless. I'm talking about, like, in that industry. I'd say comparison game, that can be difficult for sure. Okay, but, again, that's for you. Like, you compare. When you show up in that world, what are are misconceptions or beliefs that people that are going to pay you have about what you do relative to price and time frame and scope and all like what what are the times where you're sitting in front of somebody and they're going hey bro can you do this and you go do you even know what you're talking about like what are the challenges that yeah. what's the if you could educate your client what's the first thing you tell them i would i would say value to value like understanding what your worth is to them okay. and them seeing your worth and your work because i feel like a, a lot of times <clears throat> such as creators like people they think that it's something that can be done really quick like oh hey finish this photo shoot real quick or finish this video so i think showing that value through what you've already done and just helping people see like you know you're gonna get what you pay for right i'm not gonna go sell an art piece for 100 bucks and it's gonna take me 30 hours to do right so i think it's having that specific conversation with your client to helping them realize like hey this is my value and what makes sense to you and how can you understand me as a creator? So, so give me like a real time example, because that sounds all like sort yeah. of like conceptual. Like if I was trying to hire, hide you and you just told me that, I'd be like, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. So I'd say, so I just had this experience with a company. So I went freelance like this last month, this company wanted me to go uh, film for them. And then they wanted to do like a contract for the month. Right. So, I'm I'm big on I'm big on that, right? So if you want to hire me out, okay, let's talk numbers, let's talk specifics. Like sure. How many videos do you want? You know, when do you need them by? Um, what's the payout? And the struggle that I had with them was they're trying to go super cheap on what I felt like my worth was. And then the the amount of work was just kind of unreliable. So it didn't it didn't make any sense to do it. And it was a hard conversation I just had to have where I could have accepted that dollar amount and I could have been paid, you know, it was still decent money. Sure. But for what my worth was, I didn't want to do it. So I think that's a, that's a hard thing is just telling sometimes the clients no, even though you're like, oh, that could be really good as far as the money for me. But it's just helping them see that and then just doing that more and more. That's, that's anything in life, right? Sure. As you get better, your worth goes up and helping that, that client understand that. I feel you. I I remember hearing an example once, and this sounds it sounds like it would apply to what you guys do in mm-hmm. video. Um, and I'll, I'll use my own podcasting uh, kind of pricing and structure as the backdrop of this. Um, 
when we go into a market, there's certain things that we could charge and that we provide mm-hmm. that are individual to our expertise, right? Right. So like for me, like as a podcast consultant, like I, I don't know of anybody else that does things the way that I do, which has proven in the client list that I have. I've got a who's who of clients and uh, the work that we do and what I provide. Like my consultants, and I'm expensive, like I'm, my, my value is high and so, the, so mm-hmm. is the cost. And so if you're going to start a new podcast with me, it's something where like my, my price is high enough to where I know that you're committed. And you also know that I know what I'm doing because I have this list of results from all the other people that I've helped. So that is a, that is a customizable sort of value add. That's their mm-hmm. paying access to me and all of the things that I've learned and all of the lessons that I've had and all of the successes that I know how to shortcut to and all the hacks and everything. Like I know how to just really, the phrase is collapse time. Like I can make it really right. short to get you to success, right? Then there's other products that I offer so, like, for example, we do episode production. If you come to me as a new podcasting client and you already have a show and you're wanting just me to produce your episodes, you know, that price is, you know, anywhere between 75 bucks per episode all the way up to 1000 bucks per episode, mm-hmm. depending on <clears throat> what sort of additional things that you want. Right. That, to me, is me selling a Snickers bar. Like, 75 bucks an episode for just, you know, simple production and upload and a simple write-up or whatever – is pretty much the standard in the industry. You can find them as cheap as 40, you can find them as expensive as 150. Like at that mm-hmm. point it's like, well, what is what are the other add-ons to this experience? Like I'm never right. going to get away with charging 500 bucks an episode because I do it to anybody because mm-hmm. it's a commoditized transaction. They can take that service and they know there's all these other service providers that can provide that same service. So what's the value per money? And then if it's if it's less expensive, what is the drawback for that? Meaning, does it take longer? Am I, are you less responsive? If it's higher, do I get increased times? Like, do I get right. a, a nicer touch and feel as a client? And so there's that aspect of it too. So like when I take on new clients there, like I've kind of learned where the sweet spot is. So like, look, we're, we're in the ballpark of where you should, we should be as far as like everybody else. But the difference that we give on top of that is X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. you know? So when it comes to video, it's the same thing. Like you guys right. can under, you can undercut everybody. In exchange for what? It's going to take longer. You're not going to give as much time and attention to it because it's you don't make any money. Or you can pay a, you can charge a bunch and people get access to your creative space because they want a certain vision. They're not just looking for a reel. They're right. looking for a certain type of reel. They're not just looking for a video that explains your origin story. They're looking for a certain feel. It's like when you look at guys like, for example, Jeremy Finlay. You know Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Yep. That guy's made millions and millions of dollars doing what he calls salesumentary pieces, where he'll like spend months with a client filming all that stuff and then creating a origin story piece that makes it so that it's so easy for you to sell your high ticket stuff. So that's clearly you're paying not for all the video guys, you're paying for his vision. So how do you then, as a big buildup, but how do you then figure that out for you when it's like, well, I'm going to charge this much for a reel if somebody wants to do it, or this is the scope of the vision. This is much. Have you figured that out yet for yourself? Um, Still learning for sure. I think it's a continuous ongoing thing as a creator. There's always something new. There's always some more value that you could add to it. And there's always growth. Right. Um, So I think it just depends, but it is that what you said at the end of um, helping them see your vision. Right. You can go and 
you know, I could create a video for you real fast, whatever. It could be that, you know, that hype video that you're trying to get done or whatever. Wait till the end, bro. Yeah, wait till, <laughs> wait till the end of it. <laughs> wait till the end of the video. That's the uh. hype. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it's, you, you got the two sides of it, right? So you can create something, just, you know, get it done or it's a trend, whatever. But I think helping them see that vision, when you can sit down with a client and be like, hey, this is what I think based off of what you're kind of telling me, this is what I feel like I could create, right? Like when we sat down, we talked about this piece. Yeah. You, you know, I kind of knew about you, what your thing was. And I was like, hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And we kind of discussed that. And it made sense to where you wanted me to do it and I wanted to do it because it was for you specifically. So right. I think if you take that to your clients and helping them see that, that value towards whatever they might want, you know, whether you want to be naked on your podcast, you know, or whatnot, but, and you help people see that, then that's where the value and the price, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm like, okay, cool. This guy's going to provide X amount of value for me based off of what I need. And so then that's not going to be an issue. So do you look at it though, that there's certain things that you offer that are commoditized where you're like, dude, I can do a reel for this amount of money and I can do a video for this amount of money. Or if you want it to be, you know, a certain vision, I'm going to charge you way, way more those two parallel things that I had talked about. Yeah. So I think it just for like prices, is that what you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So to what, I'm, extent, what I'm basically trying to do is I'm trying to like kind of have a conversation so that other creatives out there that might right. not have considered, like it's a legitimate business. Yeah. Like you could make the most fantastic video. Yeah. And nobody paid for it or you undercut yourself or whatever. And then you even look at your own product and you're like, that sucks because you didn't get paid for it. So I just want to make sure that like the creatives out there know that like you absolutely have to look at your business as a business. Yeah. You have to look at your expressions and your results and the things that you create, whether it's art, whether it's music, whether whatever. It's valuable and you got to figure out how to charge for it. Right. Yeah, and again, I think that's for me just because I was so set in stone with like one price of what I was getting paid for what I was doing with someone um, to where now it's like with art, I've done it a little longer. I kind of know the prices on sizes and what you want. As far as in the creative space of like film photography, I'm still like learning that aspect too. But I think the biggest thing that I learned in like door-to-door sales is not being afraid to present that price. Because a lot of times people may have a price and they've been doing it for a while, but then they know that they've gotten better. They have more to offer to the client and they, their scarcity kind of jumps into play of like, I don't know if I could charge that. I don't know if, you know, they're going to say no or yes or what the turnaround will be for that. So I think it's holding your value and presenting it to them in a confident way and knowing that, you know, this is my value to you and, just, you know, you hope that you'll get in return that price and you'll start. Well, and if they don't, them. move along. You know? Yeah. So for art, me, I'll, art is, though, different, though, because it's like it's kind of like they'll pay yeah. you what it's worth. Right. Because you can offer a price and if they go, nah, mm-hmm. and then you have to decide, well, Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the biggest, like the biggest thing for me, I always go in like, like what's, I, I always ask people like, what's your budget too? Yeah. As far as on both things. And cause I had, I had a guy the other day tell me like, Hey man, so I want like, kind of like this size. I want this in my room. Like my budget's a hundred bucks. I was like, well, it's like a hundred bucks. And I didn't say it like that, but in my head, I was That's like... That's when you're like, dude, there's uh, this really cool website. It's called Google. It's called, what you can do is you can type in whatever, click on the images order tab, post print it, and go to Alpha Graphics, and you got yeah, it, bro. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So I think it's just holding your value. Like, I, I don't have, like, a set-in-stone answer as far as what my prices are, because everything 
it's all right. different. It all right. changes. But I think it's you holding your value and helping people see that. Like, hey, this is my price. This is what I can offer you. Okay, if it doesn't make sense, like, what could we work out? And if it doesn't, then like you said, you you move along. You find those. You find your space of people that will pay you that. I love what that, your dude. worth is. I love that. So, what's your next step? Like, what are you? What's your goals right now? My goal this next year is I want to I want to do more of this. I want to get on the other side. Like, I want to create as well, but I also want to help other creators that are up and coming as well and helping them see their worth. And, How are you going to do that? Um, so we've been we're, – I'm in the creators, like, group chat through social media. There's a bunch of us. And we've been talking a lot about, like, coaching events for creators, like, um, out-of-state, in-state, where a few times a year we get all the creators together and we, we kind of do a, a, a coaching event in the sense of different film photographers, artists, bringing models on, <clears throat> going out and doing, you know, test shoots. So – that's a big goal that I have next year's to be a part of that, um, kind nice. of a coaching event for creators. Okay, so you should do a podcast. Personally, yeah, I've I've thought about it. Um, I don't know, just need to do it. <laughs> right on, dude. Um, yeah, we got some current events, man. Well, we did, but you covered a few of them. So That's okay. We let's, have, let's keep let's keep diving in, man. We have. Uh, <laughs> One good one. I'm just going to – it's going to be out okay. of left field. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so this happened in China yesterday. There was a lottery winner that won $30 million. Okay. And he showed up in a mascot suit because he didn't want his wife or his children to know that he won the money because he didn't <laughs> want them to become rich and lazy. Uh, how do you feel about that? Become what? That's rich and so lazy? Gangster, rich and lazy. dude. Damn, okay, funny. so let me make sure I understand. You so don't want his a, kids. A guy, so a Chinese dude won thirty million. Thirty million dollars. And when he had to go like claim it, he put on like a mascot, like a like a furry. Yeah, a, a mascot suit, like a baseball mascot suit. <laughs> and he said he didn't want his wife and kids to know he won it. Yep, that's so gangster, dude. That guy's my new hero, man. That's the best idea I've heard all day. You win because right now, dude. Right now, the lottery's at like a billion. Yeah. Like technically speaking, if one of us to buy a ticket, we'd have a chance. I mean, it's like you know a sperm's chance towards hitting the egg type level because it's gajillion to none. But that's awesome. Like, I wonder how. I wonder where he got that idea. He's like sitting around his like work buddies. Does his work buddies even know? Like, it doesn't say. Just rolled up in. They're like, hey Chen, why do you need the fucking (laughs) baseball suit? Don't ask, man. Don't ask. No, for real. You did, and I wonder if anybody figured it out. Wait, wait, wait. He rented the baseball suit right at the time that he sh- the th- guy showed up on the news claiming the. Mil- oh, yeah. I know it is at fucking. <laughs> He's a, a got like so journalists on town. On, on that's, yeah, that's a genius. That's genius thinking. That's right a there. good move, dude. I like that move. Because then you're never gonna know. The guy next to you could be a billionaire. Millionaire, like you. You don't. You don't yeah, that guy's thirty million. Like that's. And in China, I bet you they take way more than half because they're like yeah. legitimately a communist country. Well, I'm just saying in that, like you covered yourself up, but it's like you you never know. You do never know. Like, I'm thinking really, about yeah. this, dude. I'm thinking about this from the detective standpoint of things. Like yeah. in your mind, how would you figure that out? You're like, okay, so that guy rented that suit somewhere. <laughs> Who where do they rent those suits? Okay. Yeah. 
ah, they rent this suits here. And then I go talk to, you know, ABC's baseball costume store or whatever. And I'm like, hey, do you have this suit? Do you know? Or you're the clerk at the ABC baseball costume suit store. Yeah. And you're like, wait, 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 wait. And we just rented that suit. It's just, I just I was talking to that guy. This guy just turned out, <laughs> hey, bro, were, were you, I, I, think, I think I saw you on TV. No, you didn't see me. Are you sure? No, I'm sure. That would cost you. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's dope, dude. I'll take it. There you I'm go. I'm going to use that next time. The baseball suit? No, just the idea. I'm going to do it in a furry costume. Like get, a, furry. get like a rabbit or something. Not like an elf costume or something? No, no. What elf costume? No, dude. <laughs> There's no, well, I guess. I'm just going back to your, your jokes. Yeah, yeah, my jokes. <laughs> hairy feet and flying on dragons and stuff. <laughs> elf on a dragon. An elf on a dragon. <laughs> Dude, that's one of the beefs I have with Lord of the Rings, man. Because, yeah. you know, for us diehards that read the books and enjoy those movies. I wasn't one of those guys. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> you barely can read, bro. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> Dude, why do you think I paint? I know. You're like, this is how you spell the word? No, I'm kidding, obviously. But hey, well, Gandalf's flying around money. on a dragon in the third movie. You remember this? You probably don't. Maybe. Am I, am I talking to a room full of people? You guys know what's up, dude. Gandalf's flying around on dragons, right? Remember this? At the end of the Lord of the Rings movie, Return of the King? Hey, bro, have Frodo just pop on there and then just do a little drop off of Mordor, man. Get rid of that stupid <laughs> ring. Super easy. The movie's 20 minutes long. <laughs> Nobody dies. Everybody wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard to make it dramatic. Dude, I feel like I'm talking to a room of people that don't understand what I'm saying right now. <laughs> no, I know what it is, but, you know, wasn't a diehard. Very long, extended movie, for sure. Uh, I forget, you're young enough. That you were probably like 10 years old when that thing came out. Yeah, probably. Anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say it was eagles, not dragons. But Even better, dude. Fly away on the eagle. <laughs> he's, not a, he's not a diehard. Look at him. <laughs> he's so stuck in the dragons, man. Dude, well, I've been watching House of the Dragon, like the, Lord, the Game of Thrones thing. Oh, yeah. That thing's dope. You watching it? Not all of it, but I've seen some, yeah. Shut up, dude. <laughs> dude, I'm not a big like TV show guy. Oh, here it goes. The creative that makes TV doesn't watch TV. Hey. It's because I'm making my own. Yeah, there it is. Okay. Right? I, I, I'm a movie guy, but as far as like TV shows, it's because I get sucked into them. And okay. then I end up See, binge watching for bitch, like... Dude, I call bullshit on that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a single question that's going to show you why that's bullshit. If you're making that shit and not watching that shit, could you imagine being a pornographer that doesn't watch porn? You can't. Doesn't happen, yeah. dude. So, hey, maybe you should watch more TV and film, my man. I do. I watch movies. You do? Yeah. Okay. Dude, I watched the movie that you told me to watch. We Are Your Friends. Oh, it's a great bomb. movie. Amazing. Little Zachy Efron. Yeah. M. Redditch, whatever you say yeah. his name is. Redditch, Long extended last name. Yeah, and then it was, it's it got was, the uh, the, cool ca- the the uh, Hunger Games guy in it. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's about an EDM up and coming EDM artist. Yeah, that that scene that you were talking about with the astronaut. Yeah, like would they take psychedelics or something? PCP. PCP. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Not a drug I would recommend using. Yeah, I don't. Having never used it myself. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't plan to. Yeah. I when you told me that you enjoyed that movie so well, I I was like kind of putting myself in the framework of like watching it as a 25 year old guy yeah and like the whole thing with his friends and like them feeling yeah. like dude are we ever going to do anything noteworthy and like that whole sort of you know yeah struggle of like relevancy well dude that, that was the main thing because it's like 
they're all they're like same age, you know. Yeah, it's that thing in your life where you're like, I'm ever gonna get out of it, or I'm ever gonna become something right so great. Yeah, I mean that's right. That's the quintessential like question. That's what we do this for. It's like we we want greatness. Or we did at one point and we either gave up or there's still that burn and we just don't know mm-hmm. how how to trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And whether it's achieved through expression <clears throat> or through making money or through fame or whatever. Like it's it's right. such a mind fuck, dude. Like that that's my biggest thing with art, man, because it's so like expressive as far as taking a blank canvas and making something from it, you know? Dude, I remember reading a a quote, I think it was by Picasso, and he talked about how at a certain point your art is no longer yours. That like if you commission a painting for me, the right. process of that creation is yours. Right. And then once it's done, you're done. Like it's, it's no a, longer yeah. your art, it's the world's. Right. And it's beauty or ugliness, it's relevancy, it's impact is is no longer on you. You have zero say at that anymore. I was like, that's kind of crazy to think about because mm-hmm. of how internally intimate it is to create that. Like it's right. hard, it's sweat, it's tears, it's it's like yeah. you're you're frustrated, you're loving it. It's like this the 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 pendulum of emotions <clears throat> while you're in a you know, creating. And then just at a certain point, be like, well, fly away. It's, it's not anymore. But it's it's what you learn from it. I feel like that's the coolest part, right? Yeah. It's a mix of emotions from it. And it's it's how you handle it and what, what you do to, to fix it. Yeah. You know? Because, like, that. for example, like, your piece, the cigars, like, that shit wasn't easy, you know? Sure, yeah. Like, it was stripping pieces of cigars apart and then trying to get it to stick in its tiny bits and pieces to yeah. make it work out right and i was like fresh as fuck when i it was like oh my god bro <laughs> like what if, i had this idea i presented it but you know it turned out really cool but that's just that's the name of the game that's with anything you yeah, know dude. you're gonna have your ups and downs and well i liked it so much i commissioned another piece with you so Boom. let's go about it, let's go can't wait for it to i'm excited for this next one me too dude fucking get on it <laughs> oh it's, it's going man dude yeah. after after that movie i was just like my mind just went everywhere. Oh, hell yeah, dude. With the art. I can't wait. Yeah. You, you got any other uh, any current events? Well, kind of along the same lines as um, the cost of art. Um, and this is old, but you you know who Beeple is, right? Yeah. What do you think about his uh, artwork that's, or the NFT that sold for close to $70 million? His stuff is crazy good, dude. And it's always like super years, relevant, too. Years on that shit. Yeah. People seems to be like this generation's like Banksy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the NFT space is wild. Like yeah. wild with how many like crazy crypto millionaires there are that would up a value of something like that that's not real money to them. And then, you know, so mm-hmm. what I say about Beeple and what he's been able to do, good on him. His work is undeniably good. Yeah. Even if you don't vibe on it. Like you're like, dude, this is next level. It's great stuff. But he's uh yeah, I first learned of that guy from we're listening to Rogan. And uh Yeah. Does anybody know who he is? Does he have like a cause I know like for a while nobody knew who Banksy was and he was Yeah, they didn't know I I oh. think they know who he is. Like the, he's been on a couple shows and Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm stoked for him to be able to do that, man. Like that still is a space that like I 
even though I'm invested in it, like I own NFTs and things, like I yeah. don't really get it. <laughs> I mean, I, I get the I get the supply and demand thing of it, and I get the positioning of it, and when it's connected to certain like stable coins and things, and that's all good. But so it sounds like you understand it. <laughs> well, to an extent, it's even well. I can regurgitate that stuff, but like I don't. Yeah. It's, it's not like I'm you know like could do a class. Where I'm like, hey guys, let's talk about NFTs. NFTs yeah. First of all, uh, we're not going to fungible this. <laughs> The non fungible, like that sounds like it's what doesn't get fungus on it or something. Yeah, it's it's so different for me because I'm, I've always done, you know, the physical create yeah. the piece. Well, dude, you can client. still do physical arts and then digitize it and have that become. The dude, NFT. I just haven't. I own a few NFTs. I just haven't learned much about it to be honest. I bought my daughter an iPad to get her to do more digital art because she's ridiculously cool. good. Oh really? And now all she does is play video games on that iPad. Oh, so sure. I think I, you know. As far as like, <laughs> if that experience was an NFT, I lost money on it. <laughs> yeah, I lost a lot of money. <laughs> I didn't get that NFT. <laughs> so, uh, any more? Are we good? I think that's it. We're good. Okay. Well, Mr. Robbie Farrell, thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate it, man. Um, I love your stuff, man. I'm excited to watch you grow and everything. I'm really looking forward to this new piece. Uh, where do people find you, man? Uh, Instagram right now. I'm building a website right now, so it's in the works. Okay, so what's your your handle on IG? At b.igrob21, so Big Rob. Big Rob 21. And she add that dot after the B. Someone already took the Big Rob. B.ig, okay. I'm the real Big Rob, just saying. So That's what I heard, dude. Yeah. I mean, I was out on the street, and I'm like, yo, I'm looking for Big Rob, and, and they like, were like, talk yo. to the guy with the white dreads. So, <laughs> sorry, the cornrows. Yeah, cornrows, man. That's the guy different. That, that's the different. guy that's you know, it's uh, the guy that's like that. You're thinking that, of Scott Travis. No, no, it's that guy that's that you know <laughs> the the Post Malone song, White Iverson, that guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. White Iverson. <laughs> White Iverson. <laughs> All right. Anyway, love dude. it, love it. So, my friends, thanks so much for watching and listening to the show. Uh, if you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Hit that little ding bell so you get the notifications. Uh, we're putting a lot more uh, attention towards our YouTube. Um, if you're willing, please go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. Share it with your friends. Hope you had a good laugh. And uh, go follow Big Rob and uh, get some of his art, too. Um, I think that's it, man. We're out of here. Just stand up. Stand up.